This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. As the Republican-led war on the voting rights of people of color and against the teaching of critical race theory reaches a fever pitch, Today, we explore a little-told aspect of American history. Historian Karen Cook-Bell, in a new book, tells the stories of enslaved black women's resistance during and after the American Revolution. They are the stories of what Bell calls America's black founding mothers. Karen Cook-Bell is an associate professor of history at Bowie State University. She's the author of Claiming Freedom, Race, Kinship, and Land in 19th Century Georgia, which won the Georgia Board of Regents Excellence in Research Award. She specializes in the studies of slavery, the Civil War, and Reconstruction and women's history. She now joins me to discuss her new book. It's called Running from Bondage, Enslaved Women, and their remarkable fight for freedom in revolutionary America. Welcome to the program, Karen. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So as I said, there's this uh, interesting context, a modern day context to the histories that you write. We'll get to that near the end of our conversation. But why was it important for you to focus on, on women in particular and the fact that at the same time as the American Revolution was being fought, there was this other fight happening of enslaved people, in particular women, struggling for their own freedom, um, because you specifically look at the period of the Revolutionary War. Why was this an important subject for you to look at? Yes, well, we're all familiar with the story of Harriet Tubman, but 70 years before Harriet Tubman, African-American women were seeking to uh, gain their freedom by escaping from slavery. And historians once considered Black participation in the American Revolution to be marginal. However, over the past five decades, uh, the scholarship has revised its position and Black participation in the revolution is now considered an integral part of the story of American freedom. However, the stories of Black women who escaped slavery have not been examined. And a part of the reason why that is the case is because uh, historians have tended to focus on the experiences of men at the exclusion of the experiences of Black women. And my book seeks to refute that position by examining the ways in which Black women escaped bondage during the revolutionary period. And in fact, um, I show that motherhood, freedom, and love of family propelled Black women to escape slavery during the era of the American Revolutionary War. And I think this is a port, an important counter story to the narrative that Black women did not escape slavery because of their family ties and responsibilities. I argue that motherhood, of course, served as a catalyst for uh, Black women's escape. Uh, time and time again in the advertisements that I examine, women are escaping with their child or children. So that is what led me to focus on the experiences of women because the stories have largely not been told. And um, I'm, I'm hoping that this book will serve as a very important corrective to the historical literature. So the, the um, information is, of course, hard to come by. I imagine that you had some challenges in just digging up these stories themselves. What were the sources that you relied on? And what did you find about what stage in their enslavement and or their life did Black women 
um, basically enter fugitive status and resist by by escaping? Yeah, so the, the sources that I used for this study uh, came from runaway slave advertisements. There are thousands of runaway slave advertisements that document uh, the ways in which uh, African-Americans resisted, you know, enslavers wanted to, um, I guess, publish these advertisements to recapture their runaway slaves. So they provided a good deal of detailed information, such as the physical characteristics of the enslaved women, um, where they might have gone, as well as who they escaped with. Um, so there's a great deal of information in these runaway slave advertisements. I also used trial records of fugitive slaves, as well as an interview with one escaped slave from George Washington on a judge who gave um, an interview of her life uh, story um, in two abolitionist newspapers. So um, the records for these sources are available. You know, it really took um, a great deal of time and effort with regard to deconstructing the narratives that were written from the perspective of the enslaver to tell the story from the women's perspective. So that is how I reconstructed the stories of these women. And of course, um, with regard to your, your second question, believe that it was imperative that women's stories of trauma, loss, and resilience be told. And that is, um, those are three of the themes that I emphasize in the book. Um, and I hope that the readers will take from this um, story the ways in which Black women created subversive and creative strategies to escape. Many uh, women sought to escape bondage um, during their teen years. So we had girls who escaped bondage, as well as women who escaped bondage uh, during their 20s. So the, the age range ranged from their early teens, 14, as young as 14, to um, as old as 62. Wow. I imagine that you. this is just a tip of the iceberg, as, as is the case with any digging, you know, through history from centuries past, especially when it comes to populations that are generally left out, that you have only, you only end up seeing a few of the stories that give an indication that there are probably a vast trove of unreported stories that we may never know about, right? Yes, yes, certainly. Um, one of the challenges of writing this book is the fact that we don't know the ultimate fate of the majority of the women who escape. So, um, but despite this limitation, a remarkable amount of information can be obtained about women who were caught up in a horrific system of bondage. And of course, um, just to give an example, I tell the story of Margaret Grant, who escaped slavery twice, first in 1770 and again in 1773. And in her first escape, she disguised herself by wearing a suit of men's clothing and escaping with an escaped English convict servant named John Chambers. So Margaret sought to escape by passing as both white and male performing fugitivity in a way that Ellen Craft, another escaped slave, would do decades later. So uh, enslaved women really create, really established creative and subversive strategies 
uh, to escape bondage. What about the, uh, the the timing in terms of their own lives, in terms of when women who were part of the enslaved population were first brought on shore, um, first pulled into uh, indentured servitude, did, uh, and then of course uh, end up entering motherhood. Were there any particular stages of their lives in which women tended to resist? Um, did having children impact the desire for escape in a greater way or in a lesser way? I think um, we would tend to believe that having children would limit one's ability to escape slavery. But what is important about the revolutionary period is that there was a great deal of chaos and lack of oversight that made the escape of Black women possible during the revolutionary period. And African-American women took advantage of this chaos to escape bondage with their child and children, as well as other members of their family in tow. And what my book underscores and reveals is the fact that escape or fugitive women not only escape with family members, but also in groups without established kin relations. Um, they perceived that their best chances for freedom resided with the British victory um, and the disruption of the established order. So um, I think we have to look at the ways in which the revolutionary period created this chaos to really understand how black women were able to escape bondage with their child and children and many escaped while they were pregnant. I tell the story of Jenny, who in 1776 escaped slavery with her two-year-old daughter, Winnie. And Jenny was described as her enslaver as big with child. So she was in advanced pregnancy um, stage when she escaped bondage in 1776. So despite the limitations that having children may have placed on enslaved women during the revolutionary period, they were able to escape bondage um, with their children in tow. You um, use this term rival geography through your book as a frame for understanding the uh, fugitive resistance of enslaved Black women. Explain that a little bit. Yes, the term rival geography is adapted from a term that was used by uh, historian Stephanie uh, Camp, who described the ways in which um, plantation spaces created ways for Black people to um, live during slavery. I have adapted that term to refer to the ways in which African-American women, uh, you know, use plantation spaces to escape slavery, not really live under slavery, but to escape slavery. So that rival geography is a term that refers to the ways in which Black women escape slavery and sought to um, create new spaces um, in either northern cities or in the lines of the British who were, you know, occupying various parts of the colonies. 
What was the punishment that women faced if caught? You mentioned that so many of um, the documents that you relied on were uh, posters and and other uh, documentation and other news newsletters and newspapers around escaped enslaved people. Um, I imagine that the women paid a heavy price if caught, um, and if so, is that a, a part of the story that we do need to pay attention to, difficult as it is. I mean, all of it's difficult, of course. Yeah, certainly, um, you know, the punishments that white society put in place to deter runaways um, are a very important part of the story of resistance. And some of the punishments that were in place included not just whippings, but also branding, you know, uh, for running away, having one's limb cut off, having an ear cut off uh, for black men. It also included castration. So um, at one point during the 1600s, uh, colonies had passed laws to make runaway, running away uh, punishable by execution. So they revised those punishments uh, or that particular punishment by um, providing for uh, other kinds of penalties, such as having a limb cut off or having um, an ear cut off as the value of slaves increased during the 1700s. So um, certainly women faced, you know, difficult decisions in choosing to run away because if caught, uh, that meant that they would be subjected to punishment. And despite those punishments, many made the choice to flee bondage and to deal with the consequences, whatever they may be. How does this history subvert an accepted notion in the way in which our contemporary history is is written generally through a white supremacist lens that there was helplessness or complacency or acceptance or even an enjoyment of the space where enslaved people, you know, were supposedly secure and safe in their servitude. It seems as though there is a conservative pushback and, and has been for a long time to make this case that the institution of slavery was, you know, acceptable at the time that it took place and because that was the only way in which um, enslaved people could remain safe. Does this history subvert that notion in a strong way? Yes, it does. And um, the stories that I tell, I tell are a very important part of understanding um, how African-American women um, created a culture of resistance. And the idea that slavery was a benign institution for Black people was acceptable um, by the larger white society um, certainly, um, I think, diminishes the fact that there was widespread resistance on the part of enslaved people. And that resistance was daily, you know, on a daily level, enslaved people resisted bondage, especially enslaved women, by faking illness, by destroying equipment, by uh, attempting to poison the food of their, of their enslavers. And of course, by also 
participating in conspiracies and revolts to end slavery and by running away. So there were many layers to resistance. And again, the stories that I tell are a very important part of understanding how Black women created a culture and a politics of resistance during slavery. What happened to those who did manage to escape to freedom? Tell me about the migrations of uh, of, of Black women in particular who uh, resisted successfully. Yes, well, after the Revolutionary War ends in 1783, um, the British uh, takes about really 3,000 African Americans who escaped slavery to various parts of the British Empire, to Nova Scotia, to, um, to England. Um, unfortunately, um, a small percentage were also sent to the Caribbean, where many were re-enslaved, but the vast majority found new homes in uh, Nova Scotia and in England. And in these spaces, in these regions, they were able to create um, new lives for themselves and their families, although um, some of the um, environmental challenges forced many to, again, uh, leave the area and go to Sierra Leone, where they established uh, Freetown, West Africa, in, in Sierra Leone. So um, Freetown, Sierra Leone, not Freetown, West Africa. But that's a very important part of the story as well, that immigration from the United States after the Revolutionary War ends to Nova Scotia, to England, and also to uh, Freetown, Sierra Leone. Let's talk about the modern day context uh, in our a modern era of resistance, of the fight for racial justice. We see once more Black women taking the lead. We see uh, a strong leadership in communities, both at the local level, but even at the national level. Um, and you see the resulting conservative pushback at the top of our conversation. I mentioned this bizarre uh, battle over critical race theory being taught in universities, and of course, the very serious and tangible attacks on the voting rights of Black people and, and, and people of color in general. How do you put your the stories that you write about in your book, Running from Bondage, into a modern day context? There's a fight against learning about the true histories because somehow that makes uh, white supremacists uncomfortable, so we are supposed to stay away from it. Uh, and there's also this direct line from the past to the present of Black women's leadership and their resistance, right? Yes, there is. And the stories that I tell are a very important part of Black women's political history. Um, th these stories add to the discourse and the discussions of how uh, African-American women organized in their communities, protested slavery and segregation, built institutions that benefit the Black community, and also um, fought for equal access to the ballot. Um, Black women have been in the forefront of movements to address iniquity, social oppression, and justice for the Black community for centuries. And this is a fight that begins during the revolutionary era. And certainly with regard to critical race theory, um, which is not taught in public schools, but it's taught in colleges and universities. So all of these efforts to ban critical race theory in public schools um, really defy logic. Um, critical race theory, of course, 
examines the ways in which race and racism have been and are embedded in US institutions. And I think a part of the pushback from Republican led states has been an effort to distort uh, the history of how slavery um, was embedded in the culture and in the laws of this country. Um, many of the laws that were passed um, during the colonial period limited slavery, lifelong slavery to persons of African ancestry. That's the reality that you know, cannot be changed. Um, so I think the pushback against critical race theory is in part an effort to change the way and distort the way slavery um, can be understood in this country. Well, I want to thank you so much, Karen, for joining us and wish you the best of luck with this book. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My guest has been Karen Cook-Bell. She's an associate professor of history at Bowie State University. Her books include Claiming Freedom, Race, Kinship, and Land in 19th Century Georgia. And her newest book, which we've been discussing, is called Running from Bondage, Enslaved Women and Their Remarkable Fight for Freedom in Revolutionary America. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. We're online at risingupwithsonali.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter and watch all of our video interviews. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at R U with Sonali.